welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song, whether we like it or not. There are no invisible fences in our selection process as we go in alphabetical order. Is it a rarity? I don't care any. Is it a big hit? We still give it our two cents. It is my pleasure to welcome back tonight the songbird that I love to listen to, Jeff. Hello, everyone. And also... <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us is the guy who said, I have the personality of wet cement, Stefan. Hi, my name is Mr. Wet Cement. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight we are talking about the song Invisible Fence, which we don't have Aaron this week, so I can't ask him what album this is off from, but I get a feeling he'd probably give this a good guess. I think you get this one. I have no earthly idea. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing it's Latter Day BNL, Running Streak. What was it? What was it? Oh, okay, okay. Two years off. We are hoping to have him back soon. There are due to some unforeseen circumstances. He has not disappeared like Michelle and Bobby, but he will be back soon. <laughs> so. The singer of tonight's song and the writer of tonight's song is Kevin Hearn. And if you haven't guessed it, <laughs> I should have known that was coming. I should have aimed for that one. If you haven't heard tonight's song off from the album Fake Nudes, here is a quick snippet. I heard that you built an invisible fence. What about us? What about your friends? It's difficult not to take the fence when you're running into an invisible fence. An invisible, This is the third song on the album in order. However, it's not the actual single. They, they never recorded this as a single. They did release it before the album was released. And, and allowed people to download it the following day after it was already streaming on Spotify and other services, but they never released it as a single, interestingly enough. Hmm. Yeah. That's that. unusual, yeah. <laughs> They're like, here's a, here's a taste. What have they put out as singles from, uh, from Fake Nudes? Oh, you're going to ask me that, of course. Hold on one second. Sorry. Right. Where'd he go? I made him leave. I didn't yeah, make him you... Yeah, now you I have feel, the audacity. I have the audacity. Now I feel bad. And you disgruntled him. He was and going to get green, another beer. No, the green screen is bleeding. Jeff, you're you're driving. Sorry, I put drink. my beer down too quickly, and it <clears throat> went and it exploded. So <sighs> we weren't talking about you at all, Tracy. No, I, I, remember I do the editing. I, good, I hear it's a good it thing this isn't recorded or anything. Right, exactly. You asked me about what was the releases. Hold on one second. I can... The singles off this album was only one, Looking Up. Okay. Hmm. They did have a lot of pre-release songs that they allowed off early, which is We Took the Night, which was the gym song, Invisible Fence, and Canada Dry. Ooh. So if you ordered it online, if you ordered the album online, you were able to get two instant gratification downloads, one of which oh, okay. was Bring It Home, the other one was Look It Up. And then they released Canada Dry for, for download and release, 
Invisible Fence for streaming and download, and we took the night for the same thing, and then Sunshine. So they re they re they pre-released almost this entire album before <laughs> it came out. Um, but and, and people, I'm sure, were smart like me, where they're like, "I'm just going to hear it a couple months. Why am I going to buy it early when I already own the album?" Because right. a lot of the time, you were actually, if you went to the concert and had tickets for the concert, you got a free copy of this album. If you're like me, you're like. So they were giving away so, the album. Yeah, <laughs> as, as part of the yeah the ticket price for the show. Uh -huh. Gotcha. I mean, it makes sense because they make their money off from the tour, not off the albums. Anyways, the record company is what makes it off the album, so it makes sense that they would uh -huh. do it that way. Right. Uh, but yeah, there was only one single off this, and it was uh, looking up. Hmm. Okay. Cool. I don't know why they decided to only go with one, but there it is. Well, that's, uh, all right. that's optimism there. Uh, this song was first played on September 30th in 2017, which was a about a week before it was released officially, and and it has been played 33 times in concert since then. I'm, I'm going to say that this is one of Kevin's favorite songs when it comes to Kevin's choices. I think so. When you watch the... Uh the acoustic version on YouTube. He's just having a grand old time. He, lo he looks happy playing it. Like, he's proud of it. And I can see why. Like, he doesn't get yeah. political often. He, this song is, as we'll get to, extremely political. And he doesn't lay it, he, he doesn't, like, hide his feelings about the sure, political yeah. policies yeah. of America. There are three major versions of this song. There is the one that was released on Fake Nudes, the album. Then there is the acoustic version that was released off from the acoustic album. And then there was the spoken word version that was released off from, well, online. So wow. um, Jim's father. So just so I have this correct then, there was the version, version from Fake Nudes, there was the acoustic version on the acoustic album and the spoken word version on the spoken word album. That's what correct. I got. That's what I got. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Um, out of those three... I definitely don't prefer the spoken word version. Um, my problem with the spoken word version of this song is when you have a refrain or a, a chorus like this one where you're repeating Invisible Fence a lot, it's really boring to hear someone repeating that over and over again without music. Right. Um, sure is. Other than that, like it's really cool to hear his dad reading it, but otherwise it just falls apart because of the, the chorus. The other two versions we'll get to, they, they are exactly the same lyrically, but they differ significantly musically. So why don't we get going on discussing this song? Who would like to start? One of them doesn't have horns. That's one different part. T take it away. <laughs> yeah, no, the album, the album version has Michael Ray on trumpet. Some serious horns going on. Yeah, actually, I really like that part of the song. Starting, I think it probably starts. Uh, it starts towards the middles when you really hear them uh, during that middle chorus, and then all the way up to the end, the hor horns really start kicking in, and at, there's a great build in it into the last chorus, um, and and it sounds really good. It works for the song. Is it is it at the point where he does the bridge where he says, "I'll listen to that bird"? I thought it was after that. I thought it was. Is the, it after the that? No, 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 no. I think it comes before that. In my notes, okay. it comes before that. I think it comes um, and. Uh, in the bridge that comes after, because uh, there's the instrumental bridge, and then there's another chorus that comes in there. That's the first time. Invisible fence. Invisible fence. I 
Okay. And then he goes to I'll listen to that bird. Okay. That, that's what I heard at least you know, on my list of thirds. When it comes to well, it. and that might make more sense with, with him saying, I'll listen to that bird. Is The bird has just played. Oh, it's like the Peter trumpet. and Wolf. The bird will be represented by the trumpet. Right. Yeah. Not, not the, not the uh, cello. No. I don't remember. I don't remember if the bird was, was the duck. Or the flute and Peter and Wolf. Piccolo. Thank you. The piccolo. That was what I was and thinking. And the cat was the oboe. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the original version of this song, um, which is almost a very surf rock type sound to it. Um, I want to know what, what your thoughts are. You've been doing a lot of surf rocks. I think it's a song that could easily fit on the snack time based on how, how it's so simplistic musically. Um, and then uh, even how it's sung, it's... It's sung very on a regular kind of beat, but I, uh, frankly, I was kind of disappointed with it because uh, they come up with such great concepts. You know, an invisible fence. There's so many different directions you can go with an invisible fence and dig deep into a person and how they, you know, how it applies to a person putting up walls or keeping somebody away. Oh, it could have something to do with how they're feeling or something happened to them or a relationship that's gone bad. I, I felt a little disappointed about this song because it seemed kind of, you know, crackerjacky. Uh, you know, I don't know. It seemed like they, they really missed something, uh, that they could have gone into a, a, a different direction that really had a greater impact. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they really missed the boat on this one. Interesting. To a certain extent, I got to agree with Stefan on this, actually. The first time I, I listened to the song, the first time I played through it, I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, because I, you know, I picked up on what it was about. Um, when you hit that line, we'll get the lyrics, but some people just want to build more walls. You're like, ah, that's what this is about. Okay. So we we know what he's saying. Um, and I wanted to like it more uh, because of that. Uh, so musically, though, I, I actually like the acoustic version better because I think it sounds better with this it's a little more sing-songy and storytelly and when he's coming in with the piano on the uh, uh, acoustic version i think i think that part of it works better for it but musically i don't know if i really feel like there's a whole lot of oomph here i even think i wrote that the uh one thing the pair naked ladies does so well is uh their instrumentation and their bridges you know they have so many great instrumental bridges and i i think this one we get to the instrumental bridge and i'm just like eh, okay that's you know eh. Uh, it, I, I even wrote down in one of my notes, not spectacular for the bridge, because it really didn't blow me away. And then it goes right back into the chorus again. Um, like I said, then the horns come in and I did kind of, that was a little pick me up. I was like, oh, that's nice. I like that. um, so I do like the addition of the horns. When, you, when you say the bridge, do you mean the instrumental bridge or do you mean the lyrical bridge? No, I meant the instrumental bridge. Um, I mean, the lyric bridge doesn't really do too much for me either. But uh, you mean you're talking about the bird the bridge? So I'll listen to that bird. I yes. mean, I don't know if I really uh, thought that was a powerhouse either, but I was I was referring here in this case to the instrumental bridge, which I thought was um, in both versions just not as strong as a lot of uh, other BNL songs. Um, so there was stuff I like in the instrumentation. What about compared to other Kevin songs? No, I think I think there's other songs that I would say Kevin probably does better lyrically and performance wise um and we'll get to some of those too when we talk a little more about um some of the later albums but 
Um, I would agree. I don't know if Kevin always went for the gusto that like Stephen Ed did in their music per se. I mean, he's more of a uh, of a laid back songwriter, more of a laid back singer, um, mm-hmm. and more more often than not, I love that about him. Um, I do feel like this one, if you're gonna be laid back, there's got to be something compelling in the music, and it just wasn't quite there for me in this one. Huh. And I think this is one where I, like I said, when I first listened to it, I was like, ah, I want to like this. And then as I re- did a couple repeated listenings, kind of really settled into more of an average zone in some ways. I'm showing my cards here, but I just really kind of felt like this is, you know, it's an average. It's nice to listen to, but it's not, uh, I mean, it doesn't quite hit me on an emotional level, I guess I, I would say. Hmm. Mm. I would agree. Now, see, I was different. The more yeah. times that I listened to this, the more I ended up liking it. Um, I like 60s music, and this reminded me a lot of 60s music. Um, the original version reminds me a lot of like the Beach Boys surfer rock type feel, um, although they're more laid back type songs, more almost maybe Jane, Jane and Dean type stuff. I think I sent you my comparison, though, too. One of the things I heard, and I can see the Beach Boys, too, and I love the Beach Boys, um, not to interrupt your flow, but just one thing about it. I'm also, I hear a lot of, they might be giants in this. Mm. Specific songs in particular, but I, I feel there's like a, a TMBG feel going on in this one. Yeah, and I, and I hear a lot of that with a lot of Kevin songs. Like he, his style more resembles TMBG than anyone else in the band. Um, I, I like a lot of the choices he's making in this. I agree that it's not... Like, if, if you're going to sing a song about Invisible Fences, I think that Kevin could take this in an angrier direction, a more powerful direction. Because it's so laid back, It's I would say it's non-offensive, but I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing with a political protest song, um, is to be non-offensive. I, I think the point of, it, of a protest song is to be offensive, to some extent. Yeah. One of the reasons why I thought it belongs on snack time. <laughs> I mean, the kid. I will to back that up, Stephen. My kids didn't mind listening to this song over and over and over again this week. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, uh, I can I can see that too. I feel like, um, given what the song's subject is, and and the fact that I think kids can pick up on that listening to that, mm-hmm. this song would. And this is not a bad thing to say. This song would fit in the snack time. This yeah, would be actually a really perfectly right there. On snack time, I would have given this a higher number because what right, a great yeah. message to send yeah. kids. Like that, I, I wish he had written this ten years mm-hmm. earlier and it had been on snack time, so like that message could have been out there. Right. Um, for, for me, the message isn't very clear. For me, the lyrics are very washed out. I mean, hmm. I've it's hard. I have to read the lyrics in order for me to really know what he is talking about it's like if he's if this is political then a whole paragraph about birds who don't have birds in there i think i know what he's talking about throws the the whole thing off what are you talking about be specific be passionate about it you know and don't beat around the bush what are you talking about what is it that you want to see change i think if you get where he's going with and that's uh, the lyrical thing. I think the bird reference makes more sense. All right, so let's get I to that no in a few minutes. I have no idea where he's going at. He's, Let, it's let's so... get to that in a minute, just because, uh, yes, I I want to hear that, but I, I also want to stick to some musical stuff. Um, 
But I want to get that's one of my notes as well. So we'll come back to that, and I want to hear your point, Stefan um, and okay. Jeff. So one difference I want to get to right now is the difference between the two major different versions of this, the original and the acoustic. And a lot of times on the acoustic um, album that they made of this backup album, there are differences in, and they did take some some big swings um, with going acoustic rather than just playing it acoustic with you know unplugged. They decided to go with some di a completely different feel, and this is one of those songs where they're like, "Yeah, let's do something completely different with this song." And they do to the point that they take the guitar that they're playing and the, the electric guitar that makes it very surf rock feel and turn it into a piano. And they don't even have the drums come in until the till the chorus. So it gives it a very almost Blackbird song of by the Beatles type feel. Some people just want to build more walls and pretend there's no hope for peace at all. A very pastoral feel to this song um, and it's funny because even Kevin I think notices the feel difference in the song because I noted three different times in the song where he changes the chords as he's singing it to go from going down to actually changing and going up in those moments instead because the feel of the song is so entirely different mm -hmm. I, I will say overall I think um, not I think I know uh, I do like the acoustic version better of this one. I think it works better for the folksy protest song feel they're going for, uh, the 60s sound, if we're going with that. And um, I, I think coming in with uh, the piano and just like, because you, the piano on the acoustic version sounds great. Um, yeah. I do I do miss the horns, but I, I, I there's something about, and it's fun just to hear uh, an un- uh, an unmixed ad just doing invisible friends, you know, doing that little thing that he does there. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> which, which is cool. Uh, I, if we were ranking just on the acoustic version, my score would probably be higher, honestly. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to listen to the acoustic version. What the heck? And based off of what you guys have said, it seems like that, that would be a good version for me to hear. I think, based off from what we've had from past discussions, Stefan, I think you would enjoy the acoustic version more than the version, the, the original version. Um, yeah. That's all I heard was the original. Yeah. Um, so, uh, give it a fair shot here. Uh, I'll <laughs> listen to the acoustic and I definitely recommend listening to it. It's my mind. But that is a really odd choice by the band, and I want to bring this up. Like, so they had released this album only a month to six—I mean, six months to a year before this—and then they released this whole album again as an acoustic. I I get wanting to diversify and doing some things a little different, but that's an odd choice to do. Just right after having released this album. I mean, it's not the first time that artists have tried it. I, I distinctly remember, I know this is probably a strange example, but I remember when Shania Twain did that, like, triple album where uh, she did the poppy version, she did an acoustic, more of a country feel, and then she did um, one that had uh, a Near East or a Far East um, Indian kind of sound. All the same song. So it was a triple album, you're just getting it. And I kind of feel like 
there's a two sides of that. One is the the artist just really wasn't sure which one they liked better, and they wanted the variety, or they wanted to show that you know uh, a song can play differently just based on the way it's done. I mean, it's the right. the, Billy, the Billie Jean thing, um, Michael Jackson well, and uh, Chris Cornell. You know, just taking the same song and just playing it differently completely changes the feel of it. Yeah. People stop me. Be careful what you do. And I think in this case here, um, I feel that uh, maybe the pop version, the, the popular rock version that's on uh, Fake Nudes was partly there of them and partly uh, an album or um, uh, an album company decision. Whereas even maybe Kevin was saying, I prefer this as the acoustic and let's do an acoustic one. So maybe that, maybe there was a compromise in there where maybe. the band wanted these songs to be acoustic and the record company didn't. Well, and with Bare Naked Ladies Are Me and Bare Naked Ladies Are Men, they released the acoustic version as an extra. Like, if you wanted to buy the deluxe version, then you got the acoustic version. I, I think that might have been a better marketing direction to kind of go with. Because I'll be honest, most of the time I'm not going to buy the acoustic version separately. This time I did because there were enough differences, especially, for example, with this song. Um, that I was like, all right, they, they did some interesting things here. Like, I want to hear it differently. Um, but most of the time, I'll be like, if it's a deluxe version, I'll buy the deluxe version just to hear, or like, I'll pay an extra couple of bucks just to hear it different. But I won't buy a whole other album. You won't album. buy a whole separate album. Yeah, right. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I do want to put in, there, there was an interview that they did around the time of this release. Um, I'm going to put that into the appearances this week, but I want to bring it up now because they bring up some interesting things that are um, musically uh, important um, in their interview about this song. One of the things is as they're talking about this song, they play a high quality demo of the, uh, the early version of the song and then We'll get to it in a minute with lyrics, but the first verse was actually slightly different. And I actually, I wish that Kevin hadn't changed the original lyrics. Because the original lyrics say, I heard that you built an invisible fence. It's kind of strange. I thought we were friends. Oh, I, like, I like that better. Yeah. I like that much better. I'm like, oh, why? That's a, that's a really good verse. Why did you change that line? <laughs> <laughs> to what he changed it to, it was actually a weaker choice. Um, and I'm like, that's an odd choice. It's a strange choice, so to speak, um, to make a weaker direction for the song. Um, but he also talks about... So Tyler um, talks about the process. Tyler and Jim and Kevin turn, talk about the process of this. Um, and then we'll get over to the lyrics here. Um, so they... Sometimes these songs are written, and Kevin wrote this this song up north, um, and then took took did his first stab at this song, finished it up, brought it down to the city to play that out for them. And usually they'll play their songs for each other, and then Jim will write up the chord structure or chord chart, and they'll kind of go from there and start filling it in. Um, a lot of the times when 
when Ed comes into the studio with something he's written with someone else, it's already a pretty fully fleshed song. Um, but this song was, was not, um, and they all added things into it. Um, but it's funny. And Tyler goes, you know, I heard the Beatles myself, maybe because of the background vocals, the ideas that he had. So I was trying to do Ringo and I was trying to Ringo the living daylights out of this song. And then Jim adds in, I remember energy. I remember laying into it. I really wanted to make it an urgent tune, trying to draw out from the lyrics. I felt very passionate about this song that Kevin wrote, and I wanted it to be important in the song. And it was something we tried to go for. And I was really passionate about this song that he wrote, and I wanted it to be important in the music. Um, and, and I can see that in the original version, like a, a little bit more urgency. I think they could have upped that more from what they did. They could have made this a harsher song, but I wonder almost if Kevin was kind of like, if we attack with this song, people aren't going to hear it. The people who need to hear this aren't going to hear it. If we go in under the radar, we have a better chance of getting in under their skin and maybe convincing them of what's what they need to hear. I have no idea what they wanted us to hear in the first place. Well, let's talk so, about what they wanted us to hear. Let's I don't. I, I think it's a far stretch comparing them to the Beatles. <laughs> no, I heard Beatles elements in this, I should say. There are, yeah. And I well, think there I mean, are definitely times where um, the Bare Naked Ladies reach Beatles status easily. I mean, I have no doubt. I know maybe it's a blasphemous thing to say, but... Um, I don't think you know, so. There are times. There are definitely times where I could say the Bare Naked Ladies were equals to the Beatles. Um, but uh, no, I, I definitely think this is a political song, and I think it was about the 2016 election, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, he starts off a little more vague with, I heard you built an invisible fence, um, setting up the wall reference that's going to come later. Uh, what about us? What about your friends? It's difficult not to take, a, take offense. And you know, a lot of people were offended by the way Trump spoke and what he had to say about it. And then right in the the beginning of the second verse, sure enough, then we get some people just want to build more walls. That's a Trump reference. Well, you can well I was going to say, otherwise. it immediately came just after Trump immediately announced, like, we're going to start putting walls up across the border with Mexico. We need to do this immediately. We need to do it now. And just as he was really pushing for it in Congress, that's when they released the song. Yeah. Yeah, and this is, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's about division, it's about equality. I mean, the third verse, I think, really cements that. Uh, it doesn't matter the color of your skin, we, you know, we all dance differently. Um, you know, uh, and I do love that rhyme scheme. Uh, yeah, sure, there may be some variants, like the color of the skin or the way we dance. Um, you know, really selling that this is an equality song. This is about uh, not being divisive, which, you know. That, to me, was the only part of the song that really resonated with me. And I, I thought it could, I thought it could just have been so much better. It really could have been so much better um, rather than be a, about an election or, or something of that. Everybody's going to get, be offended about something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether who it is. It could be, you know, anybody. People are always going to get offended by it. So, I, and, I mean, I think this would have even been better if it was like Wonder Woman's backyard or something. You know, she's got an invisible jet. She's got an invisible fence. 
great run with that. I mean, that's far more interesting to me than, than anything else, but um, I, I didn't get it. Yeah. There was one line that's talked about. Uh, we'll, we'll come. I think be, I know don't be you're... racist, but wait, 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait a minute! That line's not in there! What are you talking about? <laughs> There's no line about being a racist. Yeah, yeah, there is. That that would be like, a... Like the color of skin? Or oh, well, yes. Dance? I mean, yes. That's I mean, he's yeah, I think definitely they're just implied. No difference. They're stop dividing yeah. us. The wall yes, was a metaphor. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Trump loved exactly. his wall. Trump loved his wall. That was a big thing. I'm going to build a wall. Um, but he okay. made racial comments about the Mexicans in the process. Um, there were racial comments when it came to the travel ban with the Muslim countries. There were um, plenty of references uh, that sounded like they. I'm, I'm not. I'm trying not to make the podcast itself political, but definitely. Well, well this song is political. Like, did. In, in the talking LGBTQ about the uh, community, um, there's there's definitely people in this country and and uh, apparently other kind of Canada. And I know I've got friends in England that talk about our politics and our. Um, you know, our elections and everything, they know more about what happens in our country than a lot of Americans know what happens in theirs. Yeah, because they actually get real news. Yeah, well, but, yeah. <laughs> but um, but, uh, so, no, I feel like this is about the idea that Trump divides people. And yeah. the wall mm -hmm. is the is both the literal and the figurative uh, symbolism of that in this song. Right. Well, and I think he does a good people. job with really putting that out there, and that he's like, mm -hmm. so, I, I like the line where he where he's saying, um, "Building them comes at a great expense, whether it's in your mind or in wet cement. Yeah, like, whether like it's line. a yeah. a physical a physical offense or something that is just you are dividing yourself and dividing people, mm -hmm. and and putting up these walls against people, then." Either way, you're. It's a. It comes at a huge expense, and it causes great division, and also hurts you and hurts others in the process of doing this. I think he he puts that forth really well. He sets it up even earlier too. That I think he is he is basically saying that some people don't even want to try, and um, yeah. and I agree with that. There's a lot of traditionalists. There's a lot of people that this is the way things have always been, and and believe that there's no problem. That there is no right. issue. There's no race. Thinking there's, there's no, no hope for peace at all. Right. And some people just want to build more walls, pretend there's no hope for peace at all. Um, this is the only answer. We just gotta separate. We gotta it's 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 us and them. Let's build a wall, let's separate this. Um, don't try and let them in. Don't don't well, let the trans people into the bathroom. Don't let um, you know, don't let the uh, the Muslim individuals into the country. Because there's no way we can have peace. And I they are here, they really is selling the idea that some people just don't even want to Listen, and we know that's true. If you've ever had arguments on Facebook, you know that you can drop all the facts and the knowledge bombs on people, and they will just shut you down every time. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think that's I mean, what he's saying in this line: is some people just it, it's there's no reason there, to them. There's no reason to change their way of thinking. Right. Well, and I, I mean, think he does a good way of invisible. Sorry. I mean, one of the invisible fences is like right down the middle of the aisle. Like yeah. the division between, sure, yeah, you know, Republicans and Democrats, and they won't listen to one another just mm -hmm. because of the title of of mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. and assumption of whatever they believe. Well, so and no I think that's I think that's true of other countries if, too. I mean, the Baronic ladies are Canadian, and like I said, I know I've I've got a lot of British friends who are very aware of what happens, but I know they have their own divisions between their that's parliament. True. You know, it's however a lot of uh, Canada's commerce revolves around. 
their closest country, and that happens to be us. There's oh. a lot of trade. There's a lot of industry that revolves, and it has a major impact right. in, in their economy. Well, and I think uh, that that line of with us, building not, those walls comes at a great expense. Mexico I think. Us. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I said not Mexico as much, or or even Great Britain, even though they are part of the Commonwealth. They are separate in some regards to the empire. Um, and it's a little bit different. I mean, if they make their own Guinness there, then there's a separation, <laughs> you know? Well, and I think that, I think Kevin was also making a really good, um, double meaning with his line there too, of building them comes at a great expense, not just in terms of all the stuff I mentioned before, but also monetarily, like building these walls comes at a great expense monetarily for countries, all countries, when this happens, when, when you put up walls between us and you put up lines of division, then this working together falls apart and, and we can no longer sustain a global economy. Sure does. And whether you um, agree with that or not, a lot of like that's Kevin's point. That's what he's trying to say. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of factors when it comes to things, you know, um, like primarily having having a military, for instance, uh, to protect a country and um, tariffs and um, um, border patrols and stuff like that. It's for the protection of a country. Mm -hmm. uh, how would how would a place change with acceptance if there were no boundaries in the first place, separating a country from a country. Let's say, you know, North America and South America blended all together. How, how would that affect um, everything? Yeah. You know, how would it, how would we get along? Would we need uh, more of a militaristic um, presence? Would we need, um, uh, more um, immigration control or regulations on, on that matter. If it, if it spread out and equalized across the entire playing field between Canada, Mexico, Central America, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, how would it, how would that change the world instead of just saying, you know, this country is being complete and, you probably have to censor that out, but um, what, you know, this country is being, you know, unfair to its citizens and also citizens um, that are trying to flee another country so that they can provide for their families. Um, and then, you know, is the American dream still alive? Is it still there? And um, how does it affect, uh, you know what people are paying for taxes where are their taxes going is it helping people who who aren't contributing or is it is it really having an effect on on things you know there's so many different factors with the whole thing is yeah. like you can see both points of view is there a really a best way to move forward you know and how would that affect if there were no nation borders but kind of grouped it all together and I know that we're getting pretty political here, it sh kind of showing, I think, our own <laughs> our own thoughts. But when it comes down to it, like, there's no 
Kevin isn't hiding his political interests here, his beliefs. He, I, I think exactly what you're saying, kind of, Stefan, is what Kevin is backing up with his song here. I mean, we're reading a little bit into it, but I don't think it takes a big leap of faith to go to where you went to with where this song is coming from. Yeah. No, I think he's taking sides, so, definitely. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> Though I had a hard time deciphering what he was talking about. I, I really didn't know. You know, from the first line, yeah, you know, whenever you write a business letter, you want to have what you're talking about be right there. You want it to be within the first paragraph. Don't beat around the bush. You write it out. For me, I, I didn't understand. It's like, I heard you build an invisible fence. What about us? What about your friends? To me, I thought it was like somebody who got hurt emotionally and put up a wall that's that's what i thought it was all about and it's difficult not to take offense well i mean you shut out your friends it's hard to not be offended by that and when you're mm -hmm. running into an invisible fence so i mean you're constantly being pushed away and you know i even the some people just want to build more walls i took that as as a personal thing as like a person who's been hurt they they put up walls they put up emotional walls i i didn't see this as a political thing at all i had a hard time seeing this as a political thing and for me it was not clear that it was about 2016 election and like a building them comes at a great expense and for me that came out as um it takes a toll on on the people who are around you and yourself so if you're putting up walls and you're shutting people out it, it prevents you from opening up and trusting others and it prevents you from being able to heal in a healthy way and it helps uh, it prevents others from helping you heal and grow and develop and and that's what i took about that is like sometimes when you're thinking about these problems and you're emotionally hurt it's whether it's in your mind or it's in wet cement sometimes my mind feels like it's wet cement because you're trapped within a certain mindset. It's hard to move out of that because you can't move, you're stuck. So that's how, that's how I saw it. And then I'm like, listen to that bird. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. So um, <laughs> We'll come then, back to that in a minute. You know, and then I'm like, sure, there may be some variants like color of skin and the way we dance. At the end of the day, we're, we're no different. Uh, we're no different. We got to break down the invisible fence. So then I'm like, okay, some people are of different, uh, different ethnicities. Maybe their emotional troubles are because they're, they're finding a little bit of oppression from, uh, or, uh, or treatment from others, um, that are causing them to, to put up a, an emotional fence or not share as much as they want. Um, you know, maybe they have a head covering and they're being teased about it. Maybe they're, um, they've got a number of different issues, you know, coming from a socioeconomic standpoint and, um, and, and it happens to affect their ethnicity or whatnot. So, I mean, I, I didn't take it as political at all. And I saw it as like um, an individual kind of work thing. So. Well, I, I like your take on it. I, I think that's a really interesting take that I had never really looked at before. Um, I will tell you that's not the take that Kevin was intending with the song. Well, um, Kevin's wrong. <laughs> but I like that take. I like that that 
that definition and framing of the song. I do think um, that's one of the beauty. That's one of the beautiful things about obscure lyrics, though, and that's why some artists try that is because they want you to interpret it based on your feelings. Like I'm guessing, I know where Tracy stands on the political spectrum. He knows where I stand, so I'm sure. I'm sure when you got to that line about the walls, your brain went right to where, right to Trump. You know, yeah, you know, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, well, so, I, I didn't. Well, especially I didn't since I listened it. to it like because. as the whole events were going down. Like, yeah. it, it so, had no doubt. I think my it just depends on where you stand, your experiences, and everything. I mean, I can definitely see it interpreted the way Stefan said on a personal level. Yeah. Um, I think the only time that would be tricky is when you get to the third verse, and that kind of changes that. You're referring even, to the birds. Though, Huh? No, the, that's the bridge. That's not even that. Well, let's, well, first of all, two things. Um, uh, I have to. I have to strong disagree with something you said. I was okay. shaking my. Oh, Tracy, you were going to say something. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, I'll come back to my oh. idea. No, well, I, but I have to strong disagree with what you said? said about the about the letter and saying that you should set up your point right from the beginning. Maybe for some people that's what they want, but that's not how I want my songs. I don't want someone to tell me what a song's about right at the beginning. I want to, I want to be guessing for a little while. I try and write stuff that way. Like even when I'm, let's be honest, chocolate cracking. I don't want you to know what that song's about when the song starts. Um, uh, that's not see, the best I, I don't like listening to lyrics, and I don't. Oh, pay see, I'm a, but I'm a lyricist, so, so that's. Lyrics. Yeah, I'm a lyricist, so, so I'm all about the lyrics. But yeah, so we're the opposite in regards <laughs> yeah. to that, and that's yeah, completely and and okay. That's, and that's my wife's the same way. My wife is just like, just give me something I can dance to. And, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's, <laughs> and that's fine. I get that, but I'm definitely a lyrics person, and I want I want you to keep me guessing. I want you to yeah. get me to a chorus that makes me go, oh, snap. that's what you're saying. Like that's yeah. what I like in a song. So I'm I'm okay if you don't set it. Same yeah. with movies. I, I don't like lyrical foreplay. I mean, I like, you know, <laughs> commit. Are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? And no, that's, I like to be stroked lyrically for a little while. I'm, I'm, I'm all right if you kind of give me a little, a few lyrical strokes before you, you know. Yeah, dive in. I, I don't like being twiddled too much, no, yes. you know, lyrically. <laughs> but so that's, I do, I did it, I did put that out there. But I also, I also think, and I hope I don't steal thunder. I think the bird, the songbird, Clinton, personally. <laughs> yeah, go go talk about the talk about the bird. I want to hear was, more about that. Wasn't I think that the like Kennedy's is wife? I think it's about uh, the 2016 bird? election, and the songbird is Hillary, Hillary Clinton, and he's referring to her stance of a better world. I mean, if we're talking about the song being walls, um, or or someone else saying something similar, but if we're talking about walls, where you're going to get an immigration idea in your head, um, if the idea is the song is about walls, building walls, people building walls, the song. I mean, you are getting. Um, the the stance that came out of that primarily would be immigration and and uh, how immigration impacts people and how immigration gets turned into a racial issue and how a lot of people don't want to change their views on how things work and accept that maybe there's a way that this can work and that's that's why I kind of thought this was an election song you know one year after the election um, I I kind of I kind of heard it as a Trump Clinton thing that's where I came from yeah. mm. in terms of the bird I had a different interpretation. Um, what do you, you think? So I I was reading it as one of two different types of birds. Of I was reading it as him comparing whatever bird that he was comparing to as you know the bald eagle, which is a very warlike bird, a very devastating bird, um, or graceful, dumb. but at the same time, it, like inspires fear. If you've ever watched one of these things swoop in and kill something. And it drives all animals away. Right. 
Other animals versus, don't want to be around it. Versus the one that he decides to go with is a songbird. And he's very, you know, at that point it gets even... In a song that is already, especially in the acoustic version, very laid back and relaxed, it becomes even more so, especially in the... In the uh, original version, the the surf rock version, it becomes very relaxed, and it becomes very songbird esque. And you know, he talks about I'll listen to that bird, the songbird, and that sings of a peaceful world. Which, once again, I would think of either one of two types of birds that would that he'd be speaking of here, which is love birds or doves, which are known as yeah. the birds of peace, mm -hmm. um, rather than listening to the eagle, which has, I mean. Anyone who's heard an eagle will admit that the, the sound of an eagle is terrifying, but at the same time, it does not inspire peace or love or anything along those lines. Well, Meatloaf can sound terrifying at times, but he, he elicits those feelings in me every time he sings. <laughs> like, oh. Man, um, rough, but I feel so peaceful now. I'm content. I love Meatloaf, no, especially I, I can, with ketchup I can on see. top. So tasty. I can see Lovebird or Dove, too. Are Doves known for their singing, though? Uh, cooing, mostly. That's yeah. why I was thinking more Lovebirds, which are very much considered to be songbirds. Right. Um, and that I think he was sense, kind of yeah. blending the yeah. two there. But here's my problem with it, the trouble with Tracy, so to speak. What's the trouble with Tracy? He's got problems with this song. What's the trouble with Tracy? B&L, for me is they take this song that is metaphorical and then the the bridge is what makes it come clear. It is the point where where you shine a different lens on it and you're like, oh, that's what they've been singing about this whole entire time. It really brings it all together. It makes it, makes it crystal clear. And at the same time, it's like, holy crap, that's a revolutionary type of a revolutionary type of, of thing. I don't get that with this bridge. I get that with the third verse that he's he's expounding upon this and making it more clear. I want something like that in the bridge, and I want that bridge to be stronger. I want him to be more concise with what he's saying there and really make it apparent what he's kind of going for there, and he doesn't do that. Plus, he had set up a pretty clever rhyme scheme up to that point. Um with the walls all expense cement, Very some some pretty some pretty clever wordplay going on there, and then you get to the bridge, and it's essentially a free verse, you know, word same word same word same word, then a different word same word, and um, right. so that also kind of throws me out of it too. I agree with you that um, when I listened to this, um, the, yeah, that bridge kind of was it was like cold water. <laughs> I thought it was weak. Yeah, yeah, and the chorus. To be honest, I feel like the chorus, other than the layering effect that they do with with Kevin singing Invisible and then you have the harmonies of Jim and Tyler doing Invisible Fence and then you have Tyler, uh, you have Ed coming in with the un underlying almost spoken word Invisible Fence in a low baritone like that was a cool thing to do Invisible Fence It gets old after a while It's like oh, It gets old after a while and I think the uh, and they repeat it so many times in the song. Invisible fence. <laughs> and the other piece is really that there's no like it's three words. The whole chorus 
refrain is three words, yeah. and I want him to write something more significant than that. Yeah, keep selling your point. You know? For such an important song. Yeah. that That's my major trouble with this song. I, I still think it's beautiful. I still listen to it. I can still enjoy it. It's just, it would be way up there in the Pantheon if he had strengthened those pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, then, I think of, like, Fortunate Son as, like, <clears throat> that's a political song. Mm-hmm. It's clear. It has an impact. It slaps your mama across the face. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, and then you listen to this, and I think it belongs on snack time. If it's on snack time, make it My about. My score was actually going up until you compared it with Fortunate Son. I got to be honest with you, because <laughs> it, it like there, there's no comparison. If you're going to give me a choice between this and Fortunate Son, it's got to be Fortunate Son. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> because you're right. That is that is a protest song that just oh yes, you want to scream it and you want to be there like. You go. It's rebellion. Well, let's yeah, talk I about agree. Uh, that's, that's, so let's let's, let's not talk bring about the Beatles other... into the whole thing because you know. It, <laughs> well, it's... that's not the Beatles, but I mean, sure. I know. <laughs> so, but I mean, let's bring in other B and L songs that are protest songs that were better, fun and games, much more, much more obvious, but also very satirical with the wit. And I would say helicopters too. I was just gonna say helicopters. Which, like that is and the I think pantheon. Heli- like, helicopters of... is one of my favorite BNL songs, and that's one where it's like, oh yes. I mean, the point of the protest is there. You're still getting his side of it, and um, it's a yeah, fun heli- song. Helicopters just that that one has a punch. Yes, yes. humongous tree for me. Yeah, that- I mean. If you're doing a kid song, Humongous Street is actually a, actually a good protest song in a way too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just. It's not. Teasing. It's not more complex than this song, but I think that's the point. Like this song isn't. Well, I think that the chorus and the bridge make this such an uncomplex song where it was leading to. I think with a more complex chorus and a more complex bridge, this could have been a better song. Oh man! Every time I start to creep my score up a little bit, you mention better songs, and then. It, <laughs> but yeah, speaking of you know, when you talk about a build, and you mentioned it, helicopters, um, has that. I mean, that build at the end, up to the line. Um, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank, but uh, the the irony about the world uh, must hate its protest singer. Um, like that whole song builds to that line, and you're like, oh, you know, and it works. You don't quite get that build here to that. That mic drop moment, or the yeah. I would say you do, but I think that the the chorus and bridge pull away from that. Like you're right, building, yeah, yeah. but every time we come back to the chorus and the bridge, and also I think the other thing that pulls away from that is the instrumental bridge that doesn't add a lot to this song. No, no, no. Uh, so I I would recommend almost cutting that even out of the song altogether and cutting out that that second rendition of the the verse there in the middle and going right into the lyrical bridge yeah the, if you're well, both, the, both the verbal the the vocal bridge and the instrumental bridge I do feel are a lot of filler yeah and, and it's, it's already it's already a short song as it is it's two minutes and 50 seconds um, right I mean you cut that out you get a shorter but a song a song should only be as long as you need to say what you got to say and mm-hmm. if that's a two-minute song or a two-fifteen song, then do that. But I would have preferred that than the filler in this one because you're right. That really draws. Like I, like I said, I actually I've don't, I, I can't remember many times because I'm a lyrics person. I can't remember many times where I've actually gotten to an instrumental bridge and go, "Ooh, that's no." 
<laughs> not spectacular is what I wrote there, but right. I mean, it's going to be a the way I think of it, and it always comes back to karaoke, of course, because that's that's where I love music the most. Um, <laughs> is doing karaoke. The instrumental bridge in this doesn't add anything to the song, and as a karaoke singer, I'd be up there going, um, yeah, hi, everyone. And if, like, you're bored, if you're bored yeah. singing it, and you're bored yeah. in the song, what do you think the audience is doing, you know? Exactly. exactly. You have so, to consider the audience when you go to karaoke, Tracy. Yeah, well, I would never sing this song at karaoke. I mean, singing Are you just saying I shouldn't bother just... Either, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> I knew you were going there. This is where the helicopters came. Everybody! <laughs> to take Tracy away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to point out one more thing lyrically that I like about this song, though. Um, we can't ignore the fact that they're Canadian. And what I mean by that is, like... That's pretty racist. Why are you well, up an invisible hold, fence? Hold, hold, hold on! Hold on! Um... First of all, I will say hold, that I will you say, hold on. They're people like us. They're people. They just wear more clothes. Um, Kevin. Yeah. In fairness, I think I don't think this is offensive to say, but I think the Canadians are probably considering your own fence right now. No, 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 no. No more of you. Just let me through before they put it up. Yes. <laughs> They've already built an invisible fence. But only because of our pandemic. Right, yes. I mean, that's yeah. not a racial thing. It's a, <laughs> that's well. a, a safety thing at this it's point. Just, yeah. And it's um, understandable. I mean, I will say that, that Kevin has come out and specifically said this: that Invisible Fence is a song about racism. These are his words. Um, and mental barriers that keep us divided. We need to come together as humans and learn to share and care for our collective home. We are all the same. It doesn't matter if your skin is brown, black, white, red, yellow, or orange. He did say that. That last bit of being orange, he did say <laughs> Well, I, I mean, love that's, Kevin. that's if you use too much home tanner. <laughs> um, some of that liquid. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he was disappointed in Michael Jackson's black or white that they that he only mentioned two colors in there? Was that like always a a sticky? Oh no, I think him? he's he's going back. He's going back to uh, to the Ballad of Gordon where they mentioned Lightfoot? purple and uh, I'm sure. <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot. Do not insult Gordon like that ever again. My lord. I hate Gordon like um, but Speaking I, of my bad point... karaoke songs, how about the record of the Unmested Sherald, right? Oh, stop. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> we will not insult Gordon Lightfoot on this show. That is true. He is... I'm just saying the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is a very bad karaoke it song. It is not a good karaoke song. I will agree. I will die on that hill. <laughs> it is an amazing song. It is not a good is. karaoke song. <laughs> We just lost our whole Canadian audience. No, Thanks, I did not insult him. I just said, don't do it at karaoke. Um, no, anyways, the place I was going with the Canadian comment was not racist. I, I think that we also have to take in the fact that Kevin is very aware that he's Canadian and that he's singing specifically about American politics at this point. Because the Canadian politics was not in any way, shape, or form about building invisible fences. This is specifically about Trump and the mm -hmm. Trump presidency. Yeah. And if you take that first verse, it is recognizing that Americans were trying to build an invisible fence with Mexico. Or actually, a literal fence with Mexico. But in doing so, they're also building a, a 
invisible fence with every other country, including right. Canada, which is why he says, what about us? What about your friends? Mm -hmm. Now, going back to the original verse, again, I, I much better like, it's kind of right. strange. I thought we were your friends. I mean, it's obvious to see, like he's saying, like, I take offense to the fact that you're hurting our, our cousins to the south. Why are you doing this? Right. But the irony of that, like, okay, you're against outsiders. Well, guess what? We're outsiders, too. What, you, mm -hmm. you have no problem with us? Like, mm, not so much here. Um, well, and Trump has taken a few fair stabs at Trudeau, too. So it's not like, you know, they were left one, out of one, one guy versus the whole country. Well, this country would be a much better country if we let a lot more Canadians in to do business. Because yeah. they bring uh, a level of excellence that uh, the Commonwealth offers. Uh, excellence with um, performing arts, excellence with business, excellence with um, healthcare, education. Uh, they just provide a level of excellence that us as Americans can uh, really aspire to reach. And um, so that is very well needed. We don't need to dumb ourselves down just to be Americans. We have to start looking higher and aspiring to be better. Yeah. And I don't think that Kevin was unaware of the irony of his statement in, in saying, like, you're being racist, but we are also of a different country and you have no problem with us. This is really about racism not about countries. Okay. Well, on that wonderful Fantastic. note, <laughs> why don't we talk about ratings? Let's Jeff. talk ratings. All right. How many birds is this? Let's get the visit. I was going to do songbirds actually, because I'm all about it. I'm all about a better world. And I'm all about peace. And actually, that so brings up gonna... a really good point. Can I interrupt you real quick? I'm sorry, Jeff. I Absolutely didn't think not. about that until... No. Until Stefan said it. But do you think he was in any way being too worded, uh, two meanings when he said, was talking about birds and not meaning, like, here's the bird I'm giving you in this song? Uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyway, sorry, back Definitely to your ratings. Possible. But I just, it occurred to me as Stefan said I, that. I just, I wish Kevin would get angrier, honestly. Like, I wish he would come off angrier. You're angry. <laughs> Let us know how angry you are, Kevin. No. Yeah. I'm don't, angry. Don't I'm don't so be so blatant Canadian. Just let it rip. I know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm angry. <laughs> President Trump, <laughs> I'm really angry at you right now. <laughs> Giving you the bird. <laughs> but just the song bird. Two birds up. Uh so yeah, so we'll do this as uh we'll do this as songbirds and we're gonna start with Tracy tonight. All right. Um, I gotta say it was ironic. I gave this score, Don't and then I, think? and then I went into the um, into our wonderful uh, spreadsheet, and I started entering it in. I'm like, all right, well, let me just double check. Like, can I compare this to other songs? As I went through every other Kevin song, I think I've given exactly the same rating to every Kevin song. Um, and, it, and it's actually kind of funny. So I feel bad, Kevin. But I really, when it comes down to it, there are positives in terms of like the verses with this song. And there are negatives in terms of the chorus. 
the bridge and and some of the music of this. Um, so given all of that balancing it all out, I have to say once again, and there are better Kevin songs and we'll come to them. I have to give this a 3.75. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I was talking with Stefan before the show and I think I said how I feel about this song. And that is that it's painfully average. It's a harmless song. Um, it's, that it's not, it's not a bad song like in any way. There's some great musical moments, uh, both uh, in the acoustic and the, the uh, album version. Love the horns. There's also a lot of musical things that I'm not a fan of in this. Uh, a lot of anticlimactic moments that I thought could have been better. Um, lyrically, every once in a while, there's a... And, and Kevin, you know, he sings it good. He, it's, it's, it's a good vocal. Um, um, lyrically... <coughs> sorry. I knew I knew what it was about. I knew where, where he was going. Uh, like I said, I wish he would have gotten angrier at it. I wish he would have taken the anger up a few notches and and kind of railed a bit more. I love the message of the song, but it's a message we've heard before. It's not a new thing. We've we've got lots of songs about this, and we should have lots of songs about this topic. And people should continue writing songs about this topic um, until you know more people are aware. But it's I don't think this one's going to change anybody's minds either. The way it's delivered. Um, and I could be wrong on that, and if I am, I apologize. But I just, I just, like I said, I just think if, if I'm putting a whole package together, it's just very painfully average. Um, nice to listen to. Like I won't seek it out. I, you know, it doesn't bring up any animosity. But so I've got to give it an average score, and that would be a two point eight five. Uh, you do know that uh, the maximum score is five, so average would be two point five. Statistically speaking, I'm in the average range still. So, yeah, I, I, and I, gotcha. I gave it a few notches okay. while we were talking because there were some lyrics and there were some ideas that I liked in it. Um, so I bumped it up a little bit. I was at a 2.5. I bumped it up a little bit. So oh. slightly above average. How's that, Stefan? That's awesome. That's so awesome. You know, in that case, I'm going to rate it an average score as well. I felt... Um, you know, I don't want to generalize, but uh, I, I've been on this show for a while, and I've been hearing a, a whole pile of Bare Naked Ladies songs, and each of those songs uh, have an incredible premise, an incredible thought behind it, incredible um, uh, understanding, uh, like uh, like kind of a point. And Invisible Fence is one of these. It's like an Invisible Fence, you can go in so many directions with just the words invisible fence. And you can apply to a person's, a person's personal life. You can um, apply it to, um, you know, uh, your backyard and having a dog running around. You can apply it to uh, political issues. You can apply it to anything. And um, the thing that gets me is wordiness. It's like uh, a lot of times they will just say and come up with a lot of lyrics that you don't even need to come up with. Come up with something that's catchy. Come up with something that's poignant. Come up with something that's impactful. And um, I've said it before in this show that I feel that this song, Invisible Fence, really fits into snack time. It's the jingle that's behind it. Um, it's simplistic. It's not, there's no wow factor. Um, you know, uh, the lyrics to me are are not obvious, 
In fact, I took it as a uh, as a, a a personal growth kind of song rather than a political song. Uh, you guys are cheating because you you guys know what these people have I said. Do. I do. Um, but um, I, I took it as a, a personal song. It's like don't put up any barriers um, keeping people away, especially when you're hurting. Um, it could be because I'm going through a, a time where I'm trying to let people in because I'm hurting, um, going through a, a big breakup, and I'm feeling that uh, I've I've lost my best friend. I've lost. Um, my parents through death and my relatives through death. And I feel really alone and it's hard to um, be able to open up and share that with people and be able to bring people in so that they can help you. Um, so that's what really does it for me. But um, as far as the song, it, it doesn't do it for me. It just doesn't do it. I, I, I think it's below average. I'm going to score it kind of in a, an average kind of way. Um, I was going to rank it two birds. I was, you know, uh, I think that's, that's fair for it because they took something that could be incredible and just ran with it. And uh, the song that popped into my mind, other than fortunate son is uh, painted black by, you know, the Rolling Stones It's like, um, it's super simple. I don't even know what painted black means, but I'm sure it's political but that's my favorite song by the Rolling Stones. And I think it's just an amazing song, how they pulled it together and made it really rock with very little. Um, and I think Invisible Fence could could be something like that, but it's not. Aaron, I want you to take this song and put it into a minor key and make it a rock song. That's That's my new... My new chore for you, that my new my new job for you is like to do that with this song and see what happens. Because this isn't a rock song. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> and it's certainly not like a '60s rock. Rock doesn't even belong in this title. It's some kind of song <laughs> that's got a weird jingle. It's like a commercial. <laughs> you're allowed to have your opinion and i will have to say Stefan, like early on like going back and listening as i was editing the episodes like we influenced you greatly with those early songs and it's good to hear you coming in with you're like no like this is my opinion and you know what too bad this is where i'm going with it and this is how i feel um I'm, that actually makes me happy because even though i may have really liked the song i was I was the highest score of the week on this one, um, which for a Kevin song, holy crap, never happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was the highest like this week, and I like this song. I have it on my my iPod and and listen to it when it comes on. Do I seek it out? No, but I I like a good political song. I would say this is a good political political song. It's not a great political song and and i know other songs that i prefer over this it's a non-offensive political song it's a canadian political song <laughs> <laughs> um what i find unusual now that we're talking about this and just one of the reasons i love stefan and, and how he interprets things because like i said no and i'm, and I'm being serious about this um I, one oh, thing thanks. i do love about music like uh to defend myself i didn't know what Stefan said about this when i listened to it my brain just went from as my brain often does, apparently. But I, one thing I do love about music is that it does reach you at an emotional level because of where you are right now. That's what you heard in the song. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, if, if a song gives you a different meaning, 
most songwriters, I think, would be fine with that. Like, take what you want from the song. Just take something. And um, <clears throat> so I, I don't think there's an issue. What I think is funny, though, is you... This this was apparently written as a protest song, which you took it as a relationship song about, like, loss and putting up fences. Then mentioned Paint It Black saying that it was a protest song. I just looked it up. Ooh, tell me. Paint It Black is apparently a relationship song about losing someone. Is it really? It is, yeah. Oh, no kidding. Apparently, it was written about the loss of a loved one, possibly through a death or a breakup. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that makes sense. Very yeah. depressing. Yeah, I, I oh, can no. see that. I, I love Yeah, uh, I, love so, uh, I see a I line of cars and they're all painted black. Uh, flowers with and my love no, both never came back. Huh. So, yeah, no okay. kidding. I think I yeah. associate it with a political song because it, wasn't it on a TV show, like a, a war, a Vietnam TV show? Probably. They do it in a lot of 60s shows, but I remember yeah. it as a horror movie fan, specifically being in Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon mm. as the haunting jingle that kind of runs through it. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Kevin Bacon, is he? Uh, he's one of the Avengers, isn't he? <laughs> he is not. He should be, but he's not. Okay. I just think it's fun. I just think it's funny that Stefan's inter Stefan's whole role here, or Stefan's interpretation, is to basically say to the songwriter, "Screw you! I know your song better than you do." <laughs> <laughs> this is what it means. <laughs> I like Stefan's interpretation. Actually, I really, I have to say, I like that. I do. I, do. I, I really do like it. Yeah, I'm a bit opinionated. Um, if you met my mother, you would understand. I like the message behind this song, and that. You know, it's unfortunate that I am not as fond of the song as a whole. You know, I don't hate it, please, before anyone starts writing angry emails. I'm not drinking the haterade or anything, but it is kind of bland, if I'm being honest. It's a bit bland, musically. Um, it's, this song really didn't excite me too much, musically. Now, now the lyrics, again, I feel like uh, it very much has kind of a tear-down-the-wall feel to it. Uh, and aside from being... A, a known Pink Floyd fan, um, I'm very much a tear-down-the-wall kind of person, and I think we could all use a little more of that sentiment lately. So, yeah, like I said, uh, musically, I'm not all that impressed by it. It's not, you know, it's not terrible. Um, must be the album version, because it wasn't acoustic. Sure. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I actually prefer the acoustic version quite a bit. It veers off into the minor a little bit more. Um, there's a bit more of a wistful melancholy about it, I guess, which appeals to me, the the depressed dude. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, both. I was going to say, in both versions, I can hear that they might be Giants influenced, so... That we've, we've talked about before. Almost every time there's a Kevin Hearn song, I'm like, oh man, that sounds kind of like They Might Be Giants, which is a very good thing. Again, I love They Might Be Giants. So you've got a song that kind of sounds like They Might Be Giants that has themes that kind of remind me of Pink Floyd. So you'd think I'd be all over this. And it's not, you know, again, I, I don't hate it. Um, it. Okay, so the first is the the verse melody. Um and this is pro. I think this is more of a problem in the the non-acoustic album version because again, the acoustic album version tends to it kind of goes a little further astray. Um, the album version, in particular, it kind of feels like one of those songs that just never resolves. 
Uh, I used to work in retail, and they would just play these piano lines that would just never resolve. They would just go everywhere, four, five, four, five, four, five, <laughs> you know, and and it was just drove me bonkers. So like, I don't know. I have like a particularly uh, negative reaction to to stuff like that. And it's not again. I'm not saying that's exactly what the song is doing. There's just some some quality of it that kind of reminded me of that. And I think it was it was less pronounced in the acoustic version, which is why I like that more. Um, but you know, again, it, it wasn't it wasn't offensive to me. Uh-huh. I, it, it's difficult to take offense at Invisible Fence uh, because honestly, it, it is it's it's a good song. It's not. Not only is it not a bad song, it is a good song. It's just not one of my favorites. Um, but I like the lyrics a lot again. I think that, you know, it's interesting, Trace, because uh, I've, as someone who writes music and, and w- came from a place in, while I was in college of, oh, man, I have to make this as obscure and obfuscated as I can because I can't actually write my feelings out on a piece of paper because that's lame. Uh, you know, that was my attitude when I was like in my, my late teens, early twenties. And then, you know, the past couple of decades, <laughs> I've, uh, I've really found that, uh, I've much more kind of appreciate the, the, the courage it takes to actually just state your mind and, and say what you're thinking. And, uh, yeah, I think the, the risk is always sounding cheesy or, you know, whatever. And like singing about world peace, make the world a better place. But honestly, we could all use a lot of little of that right now, or a lot of it. <laughs> but it's the world's a pretty dark place right now, and I think I'm about ready for some peace, love, and understanding. So, um, I like it. It it, it kind of, uh, especially the acoustic version, uh, kind of was a nice little pick me up. Uh, I don't love it, but I definitely like it. Um, I probably. Oh wait, what do we what do we rate Invisible Fence on? Songbirds, happy little songbirds, happy in happy little trees. It's the musical equivalent of Bob Ross. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. I love Bob Ross. Okay, so Bob Ross is a Zen master. <laughs> uh, so, so <laughs> I agree. 100% I agree. Uh, so yeah, honestly, like I said, I, I kind of like it. It's, uh, you know, it's not... If I'm like, man, I'm really feeling some bare naked ladies, I'll be honest, I'm probably not going to run for Invisible Fence. But I certainly wouldn't, you know, like if I was shuffling songs on Spotify and it came off, I wouldn't skip over it. I'd probably listen to it, especially if it was the acoustic version. If you're seeking this song out, listen to that one, especially if you're just going to give one a chance. In my opinion, that's the better one. Um, but they're both good. And, you know, it's. I think Kevin's got a really... Kevin's got a... a an ear for earworms uh, because it, it, it is going to stick in your head a little bit. You're going to be like, hmm, 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 hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, again, if you're like, they might be giants, you know, you're probably not going to go wrong with the, with the Hearn song. Um, ultimately invisible fence is a, it's a good, it's a solid song. It's got a very nice message that I, I think we need more of right now in this day and age. And I would award, Invisible Fence, uh, 3.5 songbirds out of 5. I think if I had not heard the acoustic version, it would have been a little lower. Probably still in the threes, but uh, I'm glad that you sent that my way because that definitely raised it up a bit. We've been talking for an hour. I'm going to move us over to appearances. (laughs) Um, For our appearances this week, I do have uh, a couple different ones. One, of course, is the webisode on the spoken word versions 
of this song, um, as well as the other versions of the song and why he brought in his dad to, to do the spoken word versions. Um, also, the interviews that they did on QTV around this, around this includes a discussion around specifically this song um, at, at 17 minutes and 15 seconds. And also, uh, there is a YouTube of them on QTV on CBC of them playing this live. It's not their vocal best um, or as good as it is on the album, but it's great to see them enjoying it and playing it live. And, and this version, they play more like the album version than acoustic. And you can actually see them picking apart the three different parts to the chorus, which is kind of neat. I do want to bring up something that we didn't talk about tonight, though. Oh, no. Kevin, most of the time in this song, is is kind of singing the words short. Like, he he is keeping all of the, I would say, all the notes on this song, all the, all the words on this song, he's keeping to a quarter note. To the point that, Jeff, I bet at some times you were asking the, the question of, is somebody singing? Right. Right. Well, that's the song yeah. we're discussing next week, is somebody singing. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, it isn't, is it? How come yes, we're directly to S's? <laughs> no, is somebody singing? Oh, that is an I, isn't it? Yeah. Is somebody singing? Is somebody singing? Sounds like singing. a Christmas song. <laughs> is somebody singing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave that right where it is. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Visible. Black on guitar. Fence. <laughs> people this is my spoken word that, version i was gonna say that sounds more like uh like william shatner doing the spoken <laughs> word version of this <laughs> william shatner does an invisible fence. heard you built an invisible fence i heard you built in why was there no spoken word version fence. of in the drink <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to hear the spoken word version. That I would like. That's a political that. song. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for joining us, and thanks. That was fun. <laughs> thanks everyone. Have a good night. Bye, guys. See you next time. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 